1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. It is episode 10 if you're counting, Uh, not that it's really important, but it's episode 10 if you're counting. It is a cricket podcast and I am joined once again by the inimitable Mr. Daniel Norcross and ex-England cricketing legend Mr. Stephen Finn as well uh, for a non-England-based podcast. England uh, not playing at all this week if you're listening live and also... uh, Nothing interesting to report on the England front as well. Ever since Joffre Archer injured himself on a fish tank, it's all been very, very quiet. Uh, we will look at the South Africa and Pakistan brilliant ODI series that is taking place at the moment and uh, a bit of cricket shit going on there. We'll look ahead to the start of the IPL and the county championship, believe it or not, starts this week, despite the fact that it was snowing across parts of the UK this week. And very excited to say, we are joined by the one and only Sarah Taylor. She is going to be popping in on the podcast a bit later on as well. But uh, first of all, Stephen Finn, a belated happy birthday to you, sir. How Ooh. was it? Because you were in that sort of um, that sort of horrible sweet spot where both your birthdays were were quite restricted and quite lockdowny. How was it?
2: He's, he's older than two years old. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he's, had, he's had plenty of good ones before. Sorry, both your COVID birthdays, I should say.
3: That's right. A couple of COVID birthdays. No, nothing raucous to report whatsoever. Unfortunately, obviously, usually I'd be out all weekend bender, something like that. But yeah. uh, but this year it's just very cup of tea, pack of biscuits, treat yourself, and um, and sit indoors. So yeah, it's it's been slightly strange having a couple of birthdays in the lockdown. But yeah, I managed to stuff my face with chocolate with it being Easter Sunday as well when it was my birthday. So I can sort of excuse eating all my Easter eggs on my birthday as a, as a dual party. The, you've, got some, the,
2: you've got some serious people who share your birthday, Finny. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's a wonderful list. Dan, please regale yeah. us with some of these names.
2: Well, I, I sent it through to me on WhatsApp. I didn't get a reply. But, I mean, the, the first and foremost, Jonathan Agnew. Mm. And I, I had to send Agnew's... Uh, well, I didn't have to, but I did. I sent him a happy birthday message on his birthday as well. And uh, he tells me that Finny always sends him a message first thing every year. So that was something I didn't know. There we go. Um, uh, other cricketers include the great all-rounder, Bapu Nadkarni, beautiful name. Paul Downton, the man who had a bale that went into his eye that ended his career.
1: But didn't that, that happen to Mark Boucher as well? It did, it? yeah. They did. Dangerous well, thing, these bales.
2: Well, keepers, don't stand
1: up, is what I say. <laughs> uh, and,
2: uh, and the great Charlie Hallows. But I think among my favourites, you know, there's some great actors in there. Peter Vaughan, who was in Game of Thrones, in Porridge, lovely bloke. Robert Downey Jr., Paul Parker, Graham Norton, David Blaine, but the one that really sort of sticks out for me, apart from Admiral Yamamoto, who started the Pearl Harbor crisis, which is something that I think is very Finney. It's got
1: Finney written all over it. What the Pearl Harbor attack has Finney written all over it?
2: Yeah, you know, it's a bit
1: sly. It's a bit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> bit you know sneaky. What I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah he just
2: just whips his
1: arm over that little bit harder once or twice. Just yeah, finish. yeah. The intentional no-ball so that he bowls from 20 yards.
2: That's it. Very Admiral Yamamoto, I think everyone would agree. <laughs> but it was Dave Hill from Slade that convinced me that astrology is a real science. Because, I mean, looking at him now, as I am doing on Zoom, the similarities are just extraordinary, aren't they?
3: Yeah. I, mean, I wish I knew who this person was, but...
2: Oh, go and have a Google. You must remember, yeah. do they know it's Christmas? I oh, know, that's you go. I, 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 I wish got... it could be Christmas every oh, day, that's it. Hang one.
1: on, how do I... <laughs> I'm trying to get a photo up for Finney. There, there he
2: is. There you are, Finny. Oh, it's <laughs> uncanny, isn't it? <laughs> Dave Hill from Slade. I mean, yeah, that's a that's quite a recent photo of Dave Hill when he was in his prime.
1: Yes. What do you do? You buy into uh, all this star sign stuff, Finny? I, 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 I'm a Scorpio. I've got no idea what that's meant to mean. What how I'm meant to behave? But uh, I think it's all a load of bollocks. But uh, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this who get quite offended by that. Are you into all that stuff, Finney?
3: No, no, I'm not really. I just know that apparently I'm a. I think I'm a fire sign, so it must mean that I get pissed off easily, which oh, um, well. it goes hand in hand with being a fast bowler, I suppose. Maybe there is some truth cricketers, in
2: cricketers though. Cricketers are quite superstitious. So, I mean, are there any astrologers out there? You know, do you find yourself bowling to Chris Nash, and he goes, "Yeah, that's exactly what I'd expect from an Aries." <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's not what we tend to go through. We got. We're preparing for the Somerset game tomorrow morning um, at Lords, our first championship game of the summer. And we'll have a team meeting. And yeah, after we've gone through their technique and where they score their runs, I don't think we'll be visiting what star sign they are.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs> Put a gully in for him. He's a Capricorn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to cricket then. Anyway, happy birthday, Finny, but let's move on to cricket. South Africa versus Pakistan. What a couple of ODIs it has been. The first game went down to the final ball. And uh, the second game, Pakistan chasing 342, were absolutely dead and buried. But uh, Fakhar Zaman, unbelievable innings, finished on 193. But the big talking point on social media was Quinton de Kock being a cock, basically. A bit of cricket shithousery. So if you haven't seen this video going around, what happened was the ball got hit out to the fielder. It was hurled back in to Quinton de Kock. Quinton de Kock did the old thing that you only ever really see in a sort of Sunday League cricket, and I've never really seen it international level. Quinton de Kock stood behind the stumps. He gestured towards the bowler's end as if the ball was going that way, so that the Pakistan batsman relaxed, didn't really ground his bat properly, uh, whipped the bails off, and he was run out. What did we make of it, Stephen Finn? Really poor form, unsportsmanlike cheating. Quite funny, quite entertaining. Uh, you know, Pakistani batsmen should have paid more attention. What do you reckon?
3: I think a combination of all the above. I mean, it was quite funny. <laughs> I mean, seeing seeing him flounder to get to the lion after being tricked like that. But, I mean, if we're talking about, I think we're talking about the spirit of cricket last week or the week before, weren't we? Then it um, it might not quite fit into the, uh, the sportsman-like behaviour category i mean I, i've never seen someone do it and be run out before i've seen someone i think johnny bairstow did it to steve smith in an ashes game where he pretended to catch the ball and smith had dived for his ground and had to change his shirt and his both his gloves i think and was pretty <laughs> pissed off about it um once he got up from diving in and, and bairstow was chuckling to himself but i've never actually seen someone get run out by it before so so yeah i Slightly surprised the uh, the appeal was upheld, I suppose. Um, but but yeah, relatively funny watching it as well.
1: Yeah, especially as the game was was dead and buried more or less at that point. I mean, they needed a serious amount of runs of the final over. Uh, one thing that wasn't really mentioned and got lost in it all was that uh, it was the direct hit. Markram's throw was 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 unbelievably good. Direct hit from about eighty yards. What did you make of it, Daniel? As a sort of conniving scumbag that you are, <laughs> I'd imagine it was quite up your street, mate.
2: Well, it was not just up up my street. I think it was within the laws. I really do. There's been a lot of talk about law 41.5. So let's be clear about it. The law says it is unfair for any fielder willfully to attempt by word or action to distract, deceive or obstruct either batsman after the striker has received the ball. Now, you could argue, I think it would have been fair for the umpires to argue that that's what Dukot did. But it wouldn't really be true. And and also, it would be incredibly difficult to apply this to other parts of cricket because all the time people on the field are gesturing and waving their arms in places. All the time we shout things to fielders like that they're, they're turning for a third to a fielder when they're not. There's all sorts of stuff that goes on. The real deceit, the purpose of the rule to bring in deceitful fielding was to prevent people from pretending they had the ball and throwing it, which really does... Confuse a batsman. And Finney's mentioned a couple of examples there where the wicket keeper has deceived the runner, but all he's actually done is got the runner to die. So it just made them look a bit silly. He's not gained any kind of advantage, which is why they weren't penalised. The issue here is that had the umpires interpreted that as fake fielding, then there would have been five penalty runs that have scored two runs for the runs, and the ball would have been dead, which would have been a nightmare for the scorer because. It would have meant that somebody just suddenly scored two runs of a ball that didn't exist for a kickoff. <laughs> so there was they would have made seven runs out of that, and the target would then have come down to 24. But I mean, what kind of prissy nonsense are we getting to when the cop pointing at the other end would result in a penalty when a man, just has to run? He he doesn't, he's not being deceived about where the ball is, the ball. Is in Markram's hands. He just didn't bother to clock it. He then slowed down. I mean, all of this is fuckers-a-man's fault. The fact that it's fuckers-a-man and de involved in it makes it unbelievably brilliant and <laughs> therefore cubes it, quadruples it, whatever you want to do with it. But there's uh, there's no way, to me, that what the umpire's conclusion was necessarily a bad one. I could have understood it if they'd done, gone another way. But to me, they made a perfectly reasonable decision. And I don't think that fake fielding law was brought in for that. It wasn't brought in for some dozy idiot to, to not running. I mean, he, he, you look at how he ran that second run.
1: He didn't need to dawdle. Well, He's fair out. play to man. He didn't really complain about what the cock had done. He just thought that he'd been an idiot. Which, which kind of supports your point there, Dad. And you're not going
2: to tell me that you... Look, if your wicketkeeper did that on a Sunday, you're not going to tell me that you wouldn't give him a massive high five and buy him a pint after. Yeah. Because that is like spot... That's what, the, that's what we're supposed to be doing in cricket. It, caveat emptor, you know, like someone can, someone can play a switch here. They can suddenly turn their hands around and become a left-hander. We don't go mad about that. I mean, maybe we should do. There's all sorts of things you do on a cricket field that are a little bit deceitful. What's the bloody googly for a kick-off?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I, I, I do know what you mean I am surprised that they upheld the decision and, and kept the appeal there was a were you playing in the one day game Paul Collingwood was in, uh, Paul Collingwood
2: the Grant Elliot, yeah,
1: appealed situation. against New Zealand. What, what was and then um, and well, then he got basically... in his
2: way. Yeah, he got he got massive in his way at the Oval, I think it was.
1: Yeah, and then the umpires came to Collingwood and said, "Do you want to uphold your appeal?" And Collingwood went, "Yeah, I do." Yeah, and there was uproar about the the unsportsmanlike behaviour of that. So uh... one
3: of the few times I've ever seen Kiwis get angry. I think that day, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never seen Brendan McCullum angry before, and, and I think he was very very angry that day.
2: Yeah, there was I think he had a right to be on that day. On that day, he said, "I think that is." I think that was shithousery, but I don't think, I think all that de did was have a bit of fun. And, you know, he could never have imagined that the ball was going to fly into the stumps. I mean, that was
1: just...
0: I mean, that's you know. the thing.
1: The direct hit was the killer at the end of the day. If he doesn't direct hit, then, then he would have made his ground. Um, well, do you know what? Uh, it did give social media a laugh, and it gave us 10 minutes to talk about the start of our podcast, so... Uh, So it's Mm -hmm. not all bad, I suppose. Um, Let's move on to the start of the county season. You can barely believe it. I, I don't know about you, Finney, because for my very, very considerably lower standard of cricket, I had my net session on Wednesday, my first proper team session on Wednesday, and we were just looking at each other going, I've never felt less like there's a cricket season on the way in my life. But I think because of COVID and lockdown and stuff like that, uh, and it was freezing cold on Wednesday as well when we were training, and then it snowed in parts of the UK this week. Does it feel surreal that there's a county season on the way, or because you've been outside training in these tents, do you all feel quite ready for it to, to get underway?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you probably feel slightly underprepared because a lot of the guys who just play county cricket and don't go away and play in tournaments and stuff have actually not not really played a significant amount of cricket for 18 months now, so... Um, so it means that guys who are used to playing and playing and getting their rhythm through playing and batsmen who are used to scoring runs through just playing it hasn't happened so um, I suppose in that regard it's a little bit alien and there's not been the customary pre-season tours abroad where you go away and you're guaranteed good weather to be able to practice for long sessions for, for a prolonged period of time so we've been slightly hamstrung by those but in terms of the facilities that we've had available um, and the amount of practice that we've actually got in, I think it's been a relatively normal preseason in terms of that. Just with a slightly different feel around it, um, because we're still social distancing, we're still only training in smaller groups. You have to go to the gym in ones and twos. Like you haven't got that feeling of a preseason. Usually, you would usually everyone's there together all the time and you're building that camaraderie. But in times like this, it actually makes it a lot harder to build that. Um, So I think as we get into the season and the games start, that's when that momentum will build
1: up and that's when it will start feeling a bit more normal. Is there a huge opportunity at the start of the season? Because every team is going to feel like they're coming into it a little bit cold. If you can just hit the ground running and just be 10% more prepared than everybody else, like mentally, I guess, more than anything, There's a great chance to sneak a few wins in there whilst everybody else is playing catch-up, isn't there?
3: Yeah, and again, I think we've actually been very fortunate. that We've had a tent to be able to train in for the last month or so. So Yorkshire came down and played us in a pre-season game last week or the week before, sorry, and none of their batsmen had had a hit outside and none of their bowlers had had a bowl outside this year because of the weather and their lack of a tent up there, whereas we'd been practising on grass for, for quite a while, for a month or so before we got into that game. So there were definitely advantages of that. I mean, you don't forget how to play cricket overnight. It's more just the the feeling in your body and in your legs of being out there for and doing it on grass because it does feel that slight bit different. But I don't, I think that momentum in county cricket is, is such a big thing because you play so many games in such a short period of time. We have eight four-day games in eight weeks here over the next two months. And it's going to be an opportunity that if you do hit the ground running to build momentum and get in the habit of winning, which I think that the good teams over the last few years, your Somersets, who, who we actually start against on Thursday, Essex, those guys build momentum and it's like a freight train that you can't stop once it gets going.
2: The County Championship is obviously different this year with, i say this year, the Bob Willis Trophy last year, but... The three teams that went up in 2019 aren't going up, so to speak, to a first division, and Nottinghamshire aren't going down to a second division. We've got three, not regional groups, sort of seeded groups, really, which means that any side can win the counter-championship. I mean this only slightly in jest as a Surrey fan, but that is a bonus for Middlesex. They start the season in which they can win the county championship Is that something that actually is a big boost to, to teams... Perhaps that, you know, we're going to be in the old second division. Does that, do they notice that? Do they feel that? Are you guys talking about that?
3: Yeah, there's definitely a sense of optimism that if you can get on a role as a team, that you're going to have the opportunity to potentially play in that Bob Willis final and get into the first division for, um, I think someone dubbed it Super September a few days ago, didn't they? So you've they got did, the chance yeah. to. Anthony McGrath. Um, yeah, Anthony McGrath, yeah. So you, you've got the opportunity to get in the hunt for that. So I think there's a number of reasons why I think it's a good thing. I think that gone hopefully if the format stays like this, you won't see so many players moving to first division counties or perceived first division counties. You're still going to have your stronger counties, but I think it will incentivize smaller counties to really try and build competitive teams that can get into into that first division to challenge in those final few weeks of the season. Um, I see that as a benefit. Um, hopefully the games will retain some meaning further into the season, because I think you can get two thirds of the way through the division two season. And there's just nothing to play for. You're not really playing for seeding points. You're not playing for anything like that for the following year. And this year, this format does do that. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm slightly biased because we would have been in the second division and wouldn't have had the opportunity to be able to win the County championship. So I'm obviously going to favour this. It would be interesting to speak to someone who would be in the first division, whether they're happy with teams like us having the opportunity to win it and whether we deserve that. But uh, to be quite frank, I don't care. <laughs> we can win the Championship. <laughs> <laughs> um, I,
1: I think we need to we need to talk to Finney about we need to set him some personal targets for this season, don't we, Dan? And and suss out what what we want from Finney. Um, yeah. on, fin- Finny, how many games are you expecting to play? If all goes well, How, how? because obviously there's going to be a bit of rest and rotation, so that we have an idea in our head of numbers that I'd like you to target.
3: Well, I think we should talk about batting numbers personally. I'm not really okay. interested in okay. bowling numbers, because hopefully they'll look after themselves. But I'm okay. happy for you to give me some... Um, some batting targets. I mean, uh, how many championship games are there? There's 14, aren't there? I think 15, if you make the final, is that right? So I think realistically with the strength of bowlers that we have, I mean, I'm hoping to be in contention for, for the four day cricket more so than I was last year um, because I feel in a better place with my game uh, than I was last year. And I think that that's showing through in practice. So hopefully there will be opportunities there for me. So um, I think, if I played half the games, maybe, I think that, that that would be a good place to start. So, say, seven of the 14 would be
2: okay. something I'm well, targeting. Now, now assuming that Middlesex get bowled out every time, because let's face it, they're not a very strong team and they're in, a, they're in a tricky league, and they're up against some massive size... Like
1: Surrey and Somerset. So. Well, Finney's on 551 first class wickets. So if you could take 49 wickets, mate, in uh, in, in this season, that's, that's, that's the big that's, round. That's, I'll start. be getting
3: a call up for England if I do that.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> in, in seven games, I, I, I genuinely think that he's, bat- I think he's right about batting stats because I think you'll probably, if you play seven games, about 14 times for Middlesex.
1: What about uh, ten, 10 sixes? It, I'm ten. happy to try and hit 10 sixes. Okay, that's good. Well, I'm looking Ooh. now, you've only got seven in your first class career, so you're going to have to go something. <laughs> All right, maybe
3: maybe, um, maybe I'll lower my expectations.
1: What's, yeah. his,
2: what's his current average? What's his current average? Dave? So he's
1: got currently got a back average of 9.81. So I want to see you finish the season with, with double figures.
2: Yeah,
3: I'm happy with that.
2: 100 170 runs, I think, is a reasonable okay. target. With seven sixes. 170 runs. Yeah, we want you to sixes. double your yeah.
1: your total sixes, which is currently seven. So if you can hit seven sixes and get your batting average to ten this season, and obviously we want to see 150. You've got two first class fifties. We want 150s. Happy with that. What What should we buy? What What are we We need to dangle. A carrot in front of him, nor cross.
2: Well, above and beyond honor, adulation, and um, proving us
3: wrong—that's all I've played cricket for for the last eighteen years, really. The, um, the, the admiration of people. That's it. well. What does he?
2: What does he? What does he? You know. What do you really want for? I mean, a good haircut, obviously.
3: <laughs> do those at home now? Quite happy with mine. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, you know. Please. Yeah, what,
1: what's what's missing in Stephen Finn's life when you look around? Yeah. What what could you, what what could me and Dan provide that is a Blu-ray
2: of the uh, Sweeney film uh, and the Well, Sweeney I'm still too. waiting
1: for my
3: birthday present from you both. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah
2: well, the Royal Mail's in all sorts of trouble at the minute. Yeah, so it's yeah. a, I
3: don't a pandemic on, mate. Yeah, yeah have a heart. <laughs> There's a
1: pandemic on, mate. Come
3: on. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm looking around at my bookshelf here to see what I don't have on it. Well,
2: I could sign the book I edited for you if you like. I mean, it's a very very valuable piece. <laughs> Well, oh, look at your but yeah, your shelves are quite empty, aren't they? Yeah, there's
1: not many Player of the Season trophies, is there? Well, there's only one of those, actually. <laughs> <laughs> there's only one,
3: but there are three Ashes winners medals up there. So yeah, I'll uh, give you I don't that. I yeah, I've mentioned right. that before. <laughs> it's
1: quite good. Yeah, that is quite good. I'll, I'll give you that. I will give you that. Well, I'll tell you what. We'll we'll go to the pub at the end of the season, and uh, and if you if you hit seven sixes, uh, then then what, half of the champagne,
2: proper champagne. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we'll get you a posh bottle of champagne for seven sixes, and we'll get you another posh bottle of champagne if you you finish with a batting average of ten. But in exchange, if you fail either of these, then you have to get the posh champagne. Okay, and that is coming yeah. out of
2: the advertising budget. Yeah?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We'll take <laughs> that. We'll take it out of petty
1: cash. <laughs> We've we're not, none of us have been paid for doing this podcast yet. We're all going to be out of pocket by the time we get to September. Most expensive thing foray of my life moving into this. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to that. It is um, it is genuinely going to be great following the Middlesex scorecard religiously every week now. It's going to be like I've got a fantasy football team, except it's only Stephen Finn. I'm just going to be fascinated. I'm just going to be watching 11 Stephen Finns every week.
3: I'm praying that I don't hit sixes and don't get any runs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll, I'll set up a separate WhatsApp group, Dan, just you and me, mate. And we can we can talk on the sly about whether Finney's. Well, we just we just need Adam Live to bowl at him. Well, I
2: always set up a GoFundMe page. You never know. I mean, there's there's a, there's always ways, aren't there? These days,
1: that's true. I mean, oh, I maybe,
2: we're in for about seventy quid here, so I think we could probably.
1: Maybe we should go away this week and have a think. There could be some sort of charity angle. Dan, we could perhaps donate some money to to the Lord's Taverners, depending on Finney's six hitting prowess. We'll uh, we'll we'll chat about this <laughs> in the week. Um, now, as the county cricket season approaches, Daniel. We, we didn't have time for this last week, but uh, Daniel has, uh, has a theory, a thesis, if you like, and he compares waiting for cricket season to come round to the culmination of the Second World War. Daniel, I, I don't really know anything about this, but, but you've been desperate to get yeah. it off your chest. So please wow. tell me what the hell's going on here.
2: Well, it's, it's all right. I mean, to, to cut a, a long six-year story of, of human tragedy short, essentially... It occurred to me one day, because as a cricket commentator, especially when working for the BBC, often when you find yourself entirely at a loose end from the beginning of October until April, unless, you know, good fortune comes your way, and and I realised that there were six months of the year that we loosely call the off season, which is a thing that I despise uh, beyond anything in the world, There's, there's nothing worse than it, there's you're constantly filled with beseechments from your beloved to go for a walk or enjoy the autumn leaves falling or embrace a warm fire. Uh, but there's there's no, no pleasure to be had from the off-season at all. It's six months of lonely misery and darkness. And uh, it occurred to me that, oddly enough, the greatest single tragedy to the mankind has a lot in common with the off-season I and mean, there are six years of it instead of six months the Second World War. A lot of people are very into the Second World War. It's a very important thing for a lot of people. There but is there's... a
1: huge cricket history Venn diagram. There is. Headly I don't clarity. know why. I don't know if it's because we're, we're all sados that like pouring over old scorecards or something, but there is... Like, I'm a history student from university and I feel I feel like a lot of my cricket team was doing history at university as well. It's a big Venn diagram there.
2: Yeah. Oh, well, absolutely because history and cricket, they go hand-in-hand because cricket's been going on so long it's almost as well it is older than the United States of America and they think that all of history began in 1776 so obviously we've got a kind of history thing going on you're absolutely right and so I thought one year equals one month for the off season so as I thought about it I realized that the parallels were extraordinary so at the beginning of October what you do is you imagine yourself at the beginning of September 1939 And all of October is the beginning of September 39 to the end of August 1940. One year of the war, one month of the off-season. And the parallels are extraordinary. So in October, when you start October, it's a phony war, isn't it? Nothing's really happening. You know, it's still quite warm. It's still quite light. The clocks haven't gone back. You know there's no cricket. It's obviously you're lacking something. But... It could be a lot worse, and that's basically what happened in the Second World War. I should Absolutely. point
1: out this is from a very British perspective. I take it because I think Poland well, had a bit of a bad time in nineteen thirty-nine. Yeah, they don't play cricket, Tobes. They don't play cricket. You know,
2: I, 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 this is this is very this is very cricket-centric Second World got War you. analogy. Yeah, got you. And the Australians, for example, I mean, they exactly the same things happening over there. Nothing much. Mm. Only over here we're carting kids off to Shropshire in the anticipation of a few bombs and, and making posters. And then the clocks go back, clocks go back on the 22nd of November, uh, of October, roughly, towards the end of October, 24th, 25th October. And if you allow 11.81 days per month for each, for each bit of the, each day of the month of October, because you've got one month to one year, right? In October, when the clocks go back, that's when all hell breaks loose. We lose our army in Dunkirk, yep. everything goes to shit. Right, And then it got me realising that's when the war really starts, when the clocks go back and suddenly it's 4.15. And then there's all sorts of weird parallels that turn up. So like the real Pearl Harbour that, you know, Finney was responsible for, yeah, Yamamoto, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, takes place on the 7th of December in, in real time, 1941. And of course, in our world, that actually happens on the 8th of December, 19, 8th of December, any year that you're in, 8th of December, which is the earliest sunset the darkest day. What did they call Pearl Harbour? They called it the darkest day. It gets crazier. You know, once you get once you get to Christmas Day, that's the day that the British never retreat from a position again after losing Tobruk. Never again will they retreat. And on Christmas Day, that's the day we never retreat. We've carted the family off. They're gone. We hunker down. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tricky. But we know we're going to get through it. The days are getting slightly longer. The Siege of Stalingrad ends on the first day in my timeline, the 8th of January, when sunrise happens before 8 in the morning. It's it's a great moment of release. And to to cap it all, because this is where we're at now, because you'll find many parallels in between there and then, VE Day. VE Day takes place when the clocks go forward, roughly 25th of March or so. VJ Day. The 31st of march and then you're free then you're into april and Great. yeah you've, you've got the nuremberg trials you know there's not a lot happening the first eight days in april and that's you know when we're rounding up nazis but the war is won and the county championship season starts it's early 1946 there's a bit of rationing because it's freezing cold on the 8th of april i know i'm getting really torturous in this metaphor now
1: no I'm fine, I'm
2: fine with it but but essentially You can use this every year. And the reason I came up with it is because every year we've got to go through this. Every year we've got six month off season. We've got six years of the Second World War to help you get through it. Think of the Blitz, right? The Blitz happens roughly November the 5th in 1940. So when you hear the fireworks going off, those are basically Nazi bombers. <laughs> all that's over really, London.
1: That's really taken the gloss off any future firework I display that Guy I go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe it's that's why blitz. dogs, maybe that's why dogs are terrified because they say that animals sense these things more than humans. Yeah. And uh and just poor Labradors have flashbacks of the Nazi invasion of Britain many, many, many decades <laughs> before. And what's staggering in all of this is is just how much spare time you have on your hands. It's, 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 I've never known anyone mm. less busy than Daniel Norcross. I'm you? not a bit,
2: I'm not a busy man, Toby. No, no I mean, I, <laughs> I, 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 when I, when I gave up my career of, of earning money, uh, in the city back when I was 40 and decided to become a cricket commentator, it was with the express
1: intent of
2: stopping being busy.
1: Well, you've absolutely nailed that. You've, you've <laughs> achieved, you've achieved that goal within <laughs> those months. Genuinely, Finney, like when do you start having one eye? on the season coming up, like in September, October, are you sort of going, oh, I've earned a rest here? You know, we've just had a full cricket season. November, if you're still not doing anything, you start, is there a point where a guilt kicks in at all?
3: Um, no. <laughs> I've <laughs> I had a slightly, slightly funny experience of winters really. Cause for, I think seven or eight years, I was on every England tour. So I didn't really have the concept of winter. All my mates would be back here freezing their nuts off and I'd be off in sunny places all around the world playing for England so I was very fortunate with that and then the only winters that I've spent at home or all the winters that I've spent at home since then the first two I had knee surgeries in so I don't associate winter with two kind of plays because I'm hobbling around on crutches um, for the first couple of months of the winter feeling sorry for myself which Every good self-respecting fast bowler does feels sorry for himself. Every self-respecting man. Yep, fair enough. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's it's funny because the October you just recharge, like you let your hair down, you you do whatever you can to just get away from cricket because it can be a slog sometimes. The six months of the summer, however much we love it. Mentally, it can drain you when you're playing a lot of cricket through the, um, through the year. You've got the peaks and troughs of form, et cetera, that you've got to deal with. Yeah, so there, there is that. You've just got to come to terms with that, put to bed what has happened in the season um, and then make your plans going forward. And then it's like this gradual crescendo of anticipation from November to March, um, where by the time March comes around, you, you're really trying to make sure you're hitting your straps again.
2: You know, one of the weird... Weird things. that while you were saying that, um, at the Bob Willis Trophy final this year, which was right towards the end of September at Lord's, it was freezing cold, and I was on commentary with Vic Mark, and Vic has just retired from his role at the Guardian. And I sort of talked to him, and I said to him, winter, Vic, what are you going to do, in winter? And, you oh, know, bless him. He said, oh, God, I haven't really dared think about it, because I've not had a winter in England, and he tried to work it out, and it was like two in the previous 43 years. Basically, from the age of about 20, 21, he was either playing great cricket in Australia, or he was touring with England, or he was playing state cricket in Australia, or once he'd become a journalist, he was following the England team everywhere. And so the reality... The the strange reality hit him that when you leave cricket, when you retire from cricket, winter's actually become a real thing. And he was like, he's like 62, 63 years old. And the reality of winter was finally was hitting him.
1: That is the whole point of cricket. That's why we, I know, the three of us chose it as a sport is that you do six <laughs> months following the sun in England, and as soon as it gets cold, yeah. you, you book a flight to Sri Lanka or the West Indies or South Africa, or Australia, and you go and watch it there.
2: That was yeah, the bloody the plan point. until talk
1: sport and COVID came to ruin it for me. Yeah. I know. I've tried explaining <laughs> it to my, to, my, to my much better half, Pippa, that uh, think of all the holidays we're going to get to go on, but uh, I haven't convinced her just yet. Uh, now, whilst we were talking about that, we were joined by ex-England legend, the one and only Sarah Taylor. Hello, Sarah, and thank you very much for jumping on the call and, and politely sitting there quietly whilst Dan was waffling on about something. I never know what he's going on about. How are you, Sarah? Are you OK?
4: I'm very well. I enjoyed that. That's absolutely spot on. You just chase the sun. That's
1: it. <laughs> well, We were asking Finney about uh, about off-season and uh, and basically how long he switched off from September before he actually started having one eye on the next season, can you can you remember your sort of post season? How long was your warm down period at the end of the season before you went? I should probably start thinking about playing cricket again.
4: I reckon it was probably about. There was always that awkward period where you knew fitness testing was coming up just before you went away, like yeah, that kind Finny's of. Post- nodding. Yeah. yeah, it's the, the thing. Believe me, um, I reckon we probably got about two weeks to just relax. And then we were off. There would have been a tour that we were going. getting ready for.
3: We every cake that you eat through October and every beer that you have through October, you just got one eye on the bloke with the calipers at Loughborough waiting <laughs> for you as you come in. And, and it's like when he does his I mean, he does your first one and they can always tell like from the first couple whether you're a bit higher than you'd usually be. And the bloke could just say, oh, had A good October, did you? <laughs> like, well, yeah, I did actually.
2: Yeah, <laughs> is, is Caliper Man, please tell me Caliper Man is massively overweight, you know, because that, that's what I would do if I was, a yeah. just to troll you all. No, I, you can't, I, I would you get can't very be comfortable. I'd get like Alex Stewart's brother, Neil, and I'd get him to come at you with a set of calipers, smiling.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, they're usually smug bastards,
1: though. Eh? Yeah, I bet, yeah. Yeah, it's not. normally the way either it's a really fat bloke or it's a guy who wears shorts no matter the temperature and is absolutely shredded and actually enjoys running and working out and things like that. Um, Now, Sarah, thank you very much for joining us. So at the time of the release of this podcast, it will have been announced that you are playing in the hundred for Welsh Fire. How are you feeling about that? Are you feeling about playing a bit of
4: cricket? Yeah, I think I've got to get my body ready, but I will be good. It will be... uh... Nice to kind of uh, blow the cobwebs off my pads and my gloves and then get back out there. But no, I'm looking forward to it. It should be really exciting. We've got a good little young team at Welsh Fire and some amazing um, international players. So uh, it should be good. And it'd be nice to spend some time in Wales because I actually haven't, weirdly enough.
3: Well, the the good thing about playing franchise cricket and not playing for England or, or county cricket is that there's no man with calipers in franchise cricket. So you can, you, to your heart's content until the middle of July, just do whatever you like.
4: I've got two Easter eggs literally behind uh, this camera. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to lie to you, I've eaten half of both. So, and I don't feel guilty at all.
1: Wait, so rather than commit to one of the eggs, you've 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 opened two and gone half each?
4: Half and half. Like, right, okay. I'm going to... Oh, oh, a
1: munchies one. Munchies, good choice.
3: And my favourite
4: by far,
1: thing. Oh, oh cream a Craig. Egg. Egg. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's very strong. That's and absolutely cool. I don't bad. feel
4: bad. I don't feel no, bad. No, nor should you.
1: No, nor should you. Is Not. is this the, the future for you, Sarah? Do you see yourself playing a bit more around the world and, and becoming a bit of a franchise player, or is it because this one's nice and close to the home? What do you reckon?
4: Yeah, this one's just around the corner. Um, No, <laughs> to be fair, the coaching stuff is sort of kicking on for me. It was also. <sighs> Look, there's a young team in there. They've got a young keeper in there. Um, Get to potentially put my foot in the door of, you know, the women's game, plus just enjoy the cricket. Um, there's kind of no pressure on it for me this time. Mm. Um I'm very happy with the career that I had. I don't feel like that's going to, that's not going anywhere. So I can then literally just have fun. And yeah, if I can do a little bit of coaching at the time, that'd be amazing.
2: There's been a lot of chat around the 100 and traditional cricket fans have struggled with it a lot of them especially lot like the of county fans because of what that's what they feel the implications are to the men's county game yeah. but for women that the 100 is incredibly important competition is now i mean this is a real this is what what you were really waiting for last season when the pandemic came in it's different isn't it from you know previous t20 tournaments that have been set up
4: yeah exactly obviously more money means that You know, there's young girls out there that missed out last season on an income, um, and that is huge for us. Um, We're just, you know, we want to keep professionalising the women's game, the domestic structure here. We want to keep pushing these young girls that are coming through that we tend to lose because if they don't make it to an England standard, um, we ended up losing a good bunch of of players that unfortunately have to go off and earn a living. So this is this is huge for us. There's a lot of young girls in there that are getting paid to play cricket, which they wouldn't have dreamt of at all. So it's now a way to keep pushing the women's game. And yes, there will be their kind of skeptics and, and stuff like that. But actually for the women's game and the setup, this is this is huge really. Um, and we really do hope it goes well for, for women's stuff. I
2: mean the increase is is staggering, isn't it? it it's from basically contracted England players, of which there would have been 16, 18, yeah. uh, now to well in excess of 40. It's not 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 as much as Australia, yet, yeah, Who I think they not reach a hundred professional players, but it's that's moving in the right direction, isn't it? And that's the only way that England are going to be able to compete with Australia, who let's basically, you know, they just won the twenty-second consecutive one-day international. It's getting a bit daunting. Yeah, that we we've, we've got to professionalise English women's cricket, haven't we?
4: Yeah, we do. Like you, I think the thing that they've got and that you can see is that their kind of pool of youngsters that come through. They're almost ready. They've they've been in the highlights of the the big bash. They've done everything that they can um, in terms of all those scenarios that you probably try and put these girls under those tight scenarios in nets. Like they've done them during the games. They are experienced players before they've even put on an Australian shirt. So um, we want that here. We would love to get that many professional players over here, but you have to start somewhere. And you know this is where we're starting, and we're going to push on from here hopefully um, and get a lot more girls being professional in the long run, hopefully.
1: Yeah, and Dan mentioned it there, 22 wins in a row for the Australian women's uh, ODI team, which begrudgingly we have to give some praise to, as much as it hurts me to ever say anything nice about Australian cricketers at all. Uh, but Meg Lanning is going to be in your side at the 100. I mean, I mean, she's a proper gun batsman. Must be exciting to, to play alongside her.
4: Yeah, she's probably one of the reasons that I wanted to come back and play. I'm so fed up of playing against her that it's going to be nice to actually stand at the non-strikers and, and watch her score runs for the team I'm currently playing in. so um, yeah no she's a massive draw a massive draw for people to come and watch as well I, I don't think there was when I was deciding on coming back to play um, she was definitely a pull that was um, I obviously want to be kind of under her leadership um, Matthew Mott is a, the head coach as well and he's obviously been extremely successful with the girls so um, it'll be nice to kind of work under him as well, and. and you know, pick his brains on the coaching side of things as well. So, yeah, it should be good. Uh,
1: And finally, on Sussex as well, you mentioned you're coaching alongside uh, Ian Salisbury and James Curtley over there, which must be an amazing experience. Um, How's the team looking ahead of the new season?
4: The guys are doing really well. Um, They've trained really, really hard. Obviously, you've not got the pre-season where you go overseas and and stuff like that, but marquees seem to have kind of been built everywhere in this country uh, for the guys to train outside. So, um, they've put in a lot of hours. Um, they're very, very ready to go. They've, they've, done, they've ticked off their warm-up games. And um, we've got a nice, good round, balanced squad, actually, um, if I look at it, some youngsters um, and then some very experienced players. So um, I'm excited about this year. Very, very excited.
2: I asked Benny this about how every side now can win the county championship. And, and is that, has that really sort of helped the atmosphere at Sussex as well? Because you start the season the men's team knowing they can win the, the county Championship?
4: Well, I think Souls is the first one to put his hands up and say that he goes into every single game knowing that yeah, he wants to win. Um, there's no point in going into it otherwise. So, the guys want to win. That is first and foremost. They want to win absolutely everything. Um, but they know they've obviously got to break it down. Like, Philly will obviously break it down game by game and you've got to, you know, do what you can. But, yeah, it's a massive driver. You know, a lot of them are Sussex players for a very long time so they want to do Sussex proud um, and given the fact that, you know, not many, well, no one could watch last year. Um, they're hoping that at least some people might be able to watch some games this year and they want to play. They want to play in front of those crowds, obviously. That's why you play sometimes, isn't it? So, um, yes, they'll be looking to win absolutely everything. And hey, if they can win it all, why not?
2: And just, to, just to be clear, you're, you're, you're able to play in the 100, presumably because the hundred's happening when you're coaching responsibilities are going to kind of take a back seat aren't they because it's in, in, at that time and season so this is like a perfect scenario for you in a way you can continue your coaching work with Sussex you can go and play some with 100 learn the Welsh national anthem don't want to be John Redwood make sure you get it right and uh, and then you can you'll rejoin Sussex presumably in September for the for the championship push at the end of the season
4: yeah, I mean, they were really, really good in terms of my contract. I'm looking at my time. It, if anything, it works out perfectly with the, my school full time job.
2: How yeah. many jobs have you got? I, I haven't got any at the moment. You've got three. <laughs> you're a
1: hundred player. You're at a school <laughs> and you're a coach at here, us. Here's me with my 10 hour working week on the radio. I feel pretty guilty here. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, man.
4: <laughs> well, I actually have a, a full time job at school, um, which is coaching cricket and kind of helping the kids out from a. Um, kind of a sports site mental health kind of point of view and um and then I have my contract with Sussex and uh, yeah then I obviously have the 100 and the pathway at Sussex actually was probably like four jobs no, four, and, four, four, and four, four jobs unlucky, right? yeah, four
2: jobs oh, though, yeah. yeah
4: very busy <laughs> but um, no it literally the 100 finishes and then the first term like the winter term starts so I just come from Wales and just go straight back into school so yeah busy but I'm
1: exhausted. I'm exhausted. Right, that, that. Dan's that, that, not done that, is... that much work in his life. It's un- it's unbelievable. <laughs> Very quickly before before we uh, before we wrap up the podcast, say goodbye to Sarah. But um, when if you do cross paths with Stephen Finn at any point this season, can you please have a word with your lot because he is trying to hit seven sixes this season, and if he does, me and Dan have to buy him a bottle of champagne. So nothing in his half, please. Everybody back out on the fence. I don't, if you dare let Stephen Finn clear, clear the rope, but that tiny little boundary at Hove, don't you please promise me, sir? Oh, there's oh, a bottle of champagne riding on there.
2: I'm telling you right now fly, slip, and a short, uh, and, a, and a fine, fine leg because yeah. you're going you're gonna to wang it in at his head. He's yeah. going to swing at it, top edge. It's going down there. Okay. I've, I've got him out for you now. Ex- yeah. I, I can't really need to do this. No, 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 not at all. No,
1: you don't. No, You're a coach, aren't you? We're giving you inside info. Yeah.
4: We can do it, but, you know, we can still win. Tell, <laughs> tell, tell...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tell Joffra Finney has been slagging him off like you wouldn't believe and, uh, and get Joffra really fired up and put everybody out on the hook and make sure Finney doesn't clear that rope at home, whatever happens. Okay, I mean, Sarah? it
4: takes a lot to get Joff fired up,
1: let's be honest. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I'll,
4: try. I'll try something, anything. But Thank I'll you, Good luck, Finney. I hope you
3: do that. No, I think just gentle part-time off-spin. I think, will be, uh, will be fine for me. That, that, that's all I need,
1: Bold at Me. Thank you. Sort <laughs>
0: that yeah,
1: give one, <laughs> give, give one of the young up-and-coming up, up and coming spinners a, a game when Finney's in. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck with the season with Sussex. Best of luck with the 500 jobs you've got going at the minute. and uh, And we'll be rooting for you during the 100 as well. But we're very much looking forward to seeing you back in action. So thank you so much for popping in awesome thanks guys thanks very much cheers sarah enjoy thanks, sarah. the rest of your easter eggs have a good one Bye. and that is the end of our podcast as well but how nice to have sarah taylor pop in as well our third guest at the, at the time of counting is that harry gurney chris chemlet now sarah taylor uh so cool to have these names popping up on the podcast which is awesome i mean i should mention as well i didn't give her a proper introduction but i mean we're talking double world cup winner here and t20 world cup winner proper proper legend 10 task matches 126 ODIs, 90 2020 internationals. Uh, one of the best to ever pull on that England shirt. So very, very cool to have Sarah Taylor here. Finney, good luck with your first game of the season and uh, and get that left leg out the way, boy. I want that. I want those sixes. Where do you reckon you'll be batting?
3: I don't know. Well, I, I don't know if I'll be playing first and foremost. I'm in the squad, the squad of 13. So we'll wait and see if I'm playing or not. I don't know. But uh, if I were to play, I'd say I'd bat above Tim Murta and probably not ahead of Toby Rowland-Jones, so 10.
2: This is okay. a good one to miss, though, Finny. This is a good one to miss. It's going to get a little bit warmer later on. You don't want yeah, to play the exactly, first yeah. round. Possibly no, not it, even I the think second I'd round. I would
3: shatter into a million pieces playing in one degree. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, Finny, if you do play, good luck with it. And uh, if not, enjoy, enjoy your week off. Chaps, I will speak to you next Monday. Have a good one. Cheers. Then. Bye-bye. Cheers.